One of the greatest gifts we've received is faith in Jesus Christ, a gift of grace, opens our hearts and minds to receive all that he has for us, awakens us, surprises us, sometimes giving us far more than we ever imagined. And a part of that is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity that sometimes we may say doctrinally, he's there, but how do we understand the place of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Is he just one of the three we talk to? Or is he very intimately a part of what it means to be in Jesus Christ, to experience the fullness of the faith? Well, that's a bit of what we'll talk about today on Deep in Scripture. Good afternoon. This is your host, Marcus Grodi. Thank you for joining us on Deep in Scripture. We're coming to you from Coming Home Network International, but we're coming to you by the the benefit and the, the great generosity of EWTN Radio. It's a great privilege to be involved with EWTN all these years. And we thank you for joining us on this program. Some of you are joining us on the Internet as you're watching us. If you'd like to hear us on the Internet, even watch our program live, you can go to chnetwork.org. That's the website for the Coming Home Network International. And then slash Deep in Scripture. If you just go to deep in, go to chnetwork.org, you'll find the connection to Deep in Scripture. And then you can listen to the program. You can watch the program. You can see me talk with my guest today. And uh, But most importantly, you can uh, follow the scriptures that we're going to study. The, uh, the slant of this program for the last couple of years has been to invite guests to talk about scriptures they never saw. They may have been verses that they were well aware of, but as they grew in their relationship with Jesus Christ, the Lord opened them to see that maybe they weren't understanding or interpreting or reflecting on the Scripture as it was intended. Sometimes we go to Scripture with baggage. Sometimes we go to it with such a strong focus on ourselves that we really don't hear what what God is trying to say to us. And so just like Paul, who had the scales on his eyes that had to be taken away by the Spirit, he couldn't do it himself, sometimes that has to happen to us if we seek to follow Christ more fully. On this program, we also emphasize emphasize that being intimately and fully in Christ means appreciating this wonderful church that he's given to us. We don't just look at Scripture through our own interpretation. We recognize that God gave us a teacher. And so we study Scripture in light, in the context of the great teacher we've been given, the church. The guest for today's program... Uh, it's, it's a pleasure to have, have interviewed him for the Journey Home program, and now he joins me for the Deep in Scripture program, Dr. Peter S. Williamson. He occupies the Adam Cardinal Maida Chair in Sacred Scripture at Sacred Heart Major Seminary in Detroit, Michigan. Received his M.A. in Theology from Sacred Heart in 1995, his S.T.D. in Biblical Theology from the Gregorian University in 2001. He's a convert to the Catholic Church in 1972. He's a married layman who has been involved for over 35 years in evangelization and pastoral ministry. He's the author of a commentary uh, called Ephesians. Those of you who have followed the Deep in Scripture program over the years, you know that uh, I did a a study on Ephesians. I wish I'd had his book in front of me so I wasn't just flying by the seat of my pants. Uh, But he's just published this book, and it's great to have him here. Um, His book is a part of the Catholic commentary on sacred scripture in which he is the general editor, along with Dr. Mary Healy, who's joined us here on Deep in Scripture. In addition, he's the author of Catholic Principles for Interpreting Scripture, a study of the Pontifical Biblical Commissions, the Interpretation of the Bible in the Church, published in 2002 by Loyola Press. And he's also co-editor with Ralph Martin of John Paul Paul II and the New Evangelization which uh, has been released recently in a revised edition by St. Anthony Messenger. It's good to have uh, Dr. Williamson here on Deep in Scripture because it brings us to that focus of the Holy Spirit, which is very much a part of the, uh, the focus of uh, Ralph Martin and the renewal ministries that he is associated with. He's chosen... You know, I always tell my guests, choose a verse, and lately they've been coming with a handful, and <laughs> that's easily easy to understand, because where do you start and where do you stop? Uh, so he's chosen uh, 
understandably, verses from Ephesians that deal with the Holy Spirit. And I'll read a few of those now, then we'll take a break, and Dr. Williamson will join us, and then we'll look at a, a larger group of verses, all of which are posted on the website. Let me first read from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Paul writes, In him you also, who have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and have believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit which is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And then we jump to the next chapter, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18 and 22. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and sojourners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And then verse 22 in whom you also are built into it for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. And let's read uh, chapter 3, verse 16. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man. And then in chapter 15, excuse me, chapter 5, verse 18 through 20. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, always and for everything giving thanks in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God the Father. And then finally, chapter 6, verse 18. Pray at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, and you're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. Don't forget to watch the Journey Home program with Marcus Grodi on EWTN. Each week, Marcus meets new guests who have journeyed to the Catholic faith from many backgrounds. Be challenged and encouraged as they witness to how their love for the truth of Jesus Christ has brought them into full communion with the Catholic Church. That's the Journey Home program on EWTN, live on Monday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. If you enjoy the Journey Home television program on EWTN, you'll want to purchase a copy of Marcus Gerdai's book, Journey's Home. Journey's Home contains the conversion stories of men and women who, as a result of their surrender to Jesus Christ, heard a call to follow him more completely in the Catholic Church. Many of them were Protestant pastors or missionaries. Others were laymen who, though working in secular jobs, took their calling to serve Christ in the world very seriously. To order your copy of Marcus Grodi's book, Journey's Home, simply visit our website at www.chresources.com or call us toll-free at 1-800-664-5110. contrast. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. My guest and I are already here talking about the, we've got a lot to cover in a short length of time, but it's a pleasure uh, to have uh, Peter Williamson here in the studio. Um, and it's no surprise that he chose Ephesians uh, <laughs> to discuss because he has a book on Ephesians. Maybe before we start, Peter, um, I know you're a biblical scholar, and there's lots of books to choose from. Was there a particular reason why you were drawn to Ephesians well, as the book that you would yes, publish? Yes, there are a few reasons. The first of all is because we were beginning this series, The Catholic Commentary on Sacred Scripture, and I was going to write one, and my fellow editor Mary was going to write one, and I wanted a short book. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted a book by Paul, but a short one. I didn't have the courage for Romans or Corinthians. And I love. You could have done Philemon. I could have done Philemon. There are shorter books, but I both wanted to have a rich in content book and a and a concise book. And Ephesians is a kind of summation of Paul's mm -hmm. theology and teaching, and so I I chose it for that reason because it summed up some of the most wonderful things and um, in a compact package that I felt I could manage. Was uh, the verses that we're going to look at as well as the the topic uh, connected with your own journey of faith? Yes, um, in, as I was able to share with you on uh, the journey home, um, 
the turning point in my life uh, before I came into the Catholic Church was when I was a freshman at the University of Michigan and I ran into the Catholic Pentecostals is what they were <laughs> called, uh, which is a charismatic prayer group of, of actually uh, Catholics and Protestants that met in the basement of St. Mary's Chapel uh, and, uh, or, and of the Newman Center there. and. Uh, it was really through that group and through their prayer for me to be filled with the Spirit that my life really changed. It mm. was kind of like the lights went on in a dark room, and, and I began to, to know God, not just know about Him, but to know Him by personal experience. And so I think that began in me uh, a, a love for, for, uh, for the Spirit and an appreciation of the importance of the Spirit in Christian life. Now, when I began to write this commentary on Ephesians, I didn't quite realize how much the Spirit is a, a primary topic in the letter of Paul to the Ephesians. I think I was probably thinking more about, uh, well, that wonderful description of what it means to be in Christ at mm -hmm. the beginning, or, or the um, by grace you are saved through faith, uh, that section, or the section about how, we, uh, how Christ gives gifts to the church to a equip the saints for the work of ministry. Oh, and the marriage text. Of course, yeah. Uh, so, and then the spiritual warfare text at the end. So some of these were kind of more on my mind. But what I discovered as I studied Ephesians and went to write on it is just how much the Spirit plays a role in that book. And so that's why I selected these verses. Well, uh, again, before we jump into the verses, I have another question for you because we've done deep in Scripture now for about four, five, four years or so. And I've always emphasized when you do scripture the importance of context. Yeah. And as you look at Ephesians, help us a, a little bit. I mean, to what uh, extent, especially as you're interpreting the verses that deal with the Spirit in Ephesians, how important it is to make sure that it's in the context of 1 Corinthians, it's in the context of Old Testament references of scripture. I mean, to spirit, uh, to what's going on in the apostolic fathers. I mean, when you did your work, mm -hmm. I know some scholars that almost want to look at Ephesians alone and throw everything yeah. out and just as if it's a, a closed box. Mm -hmm. What about the importance of context? Oh, very, very good uh, question. Yeah, I think we really have to read all of Paul's letters uh, in light of all the rest of them, but also in light of the Acts of the Apostles, which gives us a, a kind of narrative context. Now, there are some people that want to separate the letter of, of, uh, to the Ephesians from St. Paul, saying that it's disciples of Paul who wrote it. And that's, that's possible, although I am inclined to believe that it was Paul himself who was the author. But even if it was disciples of Paul writing 20 years later, we're essentially dealing with the same context. First century Christianity, mm. uh, you know, uh, started by Peter and Paul and the other apostles in their preaching, characterized by an experience of the risen Christ and, uh, through the Holy Spirit in the life of the church. Um, when Paul writes to the um, Corinthian church and talks about various charisms, these seem to have been common currency, common experience in the early church because we see it mentioned in his letter to the Thessalonians. He speaks about don't despise prophesying. Uh, we see it in Romans where he says, let each person, Romans 12, let each person use the charisms that he's received and, you know, and use them well for the building up of the body, that they're not just for your own sake, they're for the body. Uh, and then we find them in First Peter references to charisms. And then in, in Paul's letter to Timothy, you know, remember the charism that you received when they laid their hands on you, you know, the presbyters. So this uh, this notion of the early Christians being experiencing the power of God, experiencing a relationship not only with Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who's present among them when they gather in his name, with God the Father, but this relationship with the Father and the Spirit is through, or Father and Christ is through the Spirit of Jesus, through the Spirit of the Father, the Spirit that they share that now indwells each of the members of the community. There's a, a verse in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, where Paul warns Timothy that a day will come and he describes all the problems. Mm -hmm. And if you read that long list from verses one through five, I mean, it's today. Absolutely. I mean, it's just absolutely today. But one of the things he said would happen is that, that uh, in the last days, people will 
hold the form of religion but deny the power of it. Yes, yes. And I think that that can have two senses. You know, mm -hmm. in one sense, it could be that people uh, hold to, um, you know, religiosity, spirituality, but they deny the authority over our lives that comes from sacred scripture. And that's everywhere today. Yep. People are saying, you know, oh, I'm spiritual. I love the spiritual life. I love the spirit. <laughs> but what about the, the Ten Commandments? You know, what about... You know, the responsibility to um, keep holiness perfect in the fear of God. What about sexual morality? What about the commandments? Well, they, they, they deny the power or the authority of yep. it. But there's a second sense in which I, and it's, it's not clear which of the two Paul had in mind, but is, is it is possible for people to practice Christianity as, as Catholics or as Protestants, you know, following the teaching, following the catechism, trying to live a Christian life, but somehow not realizing that Christianity is not about our power or our being good. It's about the the power of the Holy Spirit being at work in Christians, transforming human nature, mm -hmm. you know, transforming us into God's image and likeness, deifying us. I mean, this is these are yep. frightening, scary, wild concepts, but the, the, the New Testament is actually full of this idea that we are being radically changed. One of the texts that I picked out from Ephesians talks about that. Yep. This, and, and, and I'm really glad we're looking at this because that verse from uh, 2 Timothy is a warning, yeah. not just for those that uh, practice the shell of the faith and deny the really awakening within, the, yeah. the true uh, conversion of the heart, the convert. The, the true reception of the Holy Spirit and, and the activism, what's the word, activization or activation? Actualization. Actualization of the, the graces that are there. But it can also be the danger of private interpretation yeah. of trying to, okay, this is the Holy Spirit and these are his gifts and what yeah. does it mean? And there's a hundred interpretations out there. And even, you know, I, with the charismatic renewal, having been around for a great number of years, the Pentecostal movement being around, it's, it's reached its hundredth year, is there a lot of people, even within the, the spirit-filled communities, who are now practicing a form of it, uh -huh, yeah. but are not sure about the power of it anymore, or it's how strange, do we understand that? You know, there's a way of doing things that looks charismatic, but but is it authentically the power of the right. Holy Spirit? And I think that's very important today. The devil tries to imitate, yeah. to undercut, mm -hmm. to throw a bucket of water on mm -hmm. authentic enthusiasm, mm -hmm. authentic mm -hmm. experience of the Spirit. And so when we look at these passages, uh, uh, Peter, that's kind of what I'm saying. Well, how can we help our audience mm -hmm. see what did Paul really mean mm -hmm. in the context of the teacher of the church? Uh, these are in the order that are in Ephesians. Mm -hmm. You want to take them in that order? Sure, let's, let's do them in that All order. Right. We me, might jump around a little bit. Of course, of course. And we've got to fit it into a timetable. So just as a reminder to the audience, let me read the first one, Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. In him you also who have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and have believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, which is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the promise of his glory. I don't want to short circuit how you're going to take this, but the first thing that jumped out with me, just as a clarification, Paul threw in the word promised. Uh-huh. Yes. From your studies, yes. is he referring to the Old Testament? Is he referring to our Lord Jesus? I think he's referring pre precisely to both. Okay. Because uh, both in, uh, in the prophets, uh, Prophet Joel, whom St. Peter quoted on uh, Pentecost Day, but also in Ezekiel uh, and in Isaiah, there are promises that God's going to give the Holy Spirit in the latter days. You know, it, when the, in the time of restoration, in the time of the Messiah, in the time of fulfillment, God is going to pour out his Spirit. And uh, John the Baptist said it about Jesus. He said, you know, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. Actually, all four Gospels record this. They, rather than say Jesus is going to bring atonement, forgiveness of sins, or rather than say he's going to give the Eucharist, it says he's the one who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He's going to bring a change to the human race, which is to enable people to have God dwelling in them by the grace of the Spirit. 
that's predicted about Jesus in all four Gospels, and Jesus himself speaks about the gift of the Spirit in John chapter 8, at the first and greatest, or the last and greatest day of the Feast of Tabernacles. He stands up in the temple and he says, if any of you is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. If, uh, and I, I, he who believes in me out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And this he said about the Spirit, which had not been given yet, because Jesus had not been glorified. So Jesus' fulfillment of his own promise about giving the Spirit uh, came after his resurrection. And you may recall in Acts chapter 1, he tells the disciples to wait for that. So it, in some ways is the climax and, and, mm. and a, a purpose, a primary purpose of Jesus' ministry, not the only primary purpose. We, some other really important things Jesus yeah. did. <laughs> right. But communicating the Spirit to us is right up there. So it is the promised Holy Spirit. Well, talk about then what Paul's referring to here because he's, you know, maybe at first glance he seems to be expressing a process. But how do you understand what he's talking about in verses 13 and 14? Okay, well... There's a very interesting word there in chapter 14 where it says um, in the RSV, uh, I think which is what you read, it said which is the guarantee mm -hmm. of our inheritance. But in this case, I like the New American Bible better. Now, usually I like the RSV better, but in this case I like the New American because it says uh, which is the first installment of our inheritance. Mm now, what's that talking about? Well, um, the inheritance is what God had promised to Abraham. You know, I, I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you the life. And throughout the sort of biblical tradition, that inheritance came to be understood as eternal life. Um, at first, it was the land of Israel, but then when it was real after the exile and they realized in some ways their hopes for land in this world that was a, a completely satisfying thing, they realized that the inheritance meant more. It meant all that God has for his people that summed up in eternal life. So even the Jews had come to look forward to the life of the resurrection and eternal life as their future hope, as the inheritance promised to Abraham that would be given to all of Abraham's sons. And... Um, what St. Paul is saying is that the gift of the Holy Spirit that comes to Christians, that comes to us through faith and baptism and confirmation, is the down payment. It's our first installment on the whole gift. You know, if, if uh, you get the first installment, if, some, if I've sold my house and I get the down payment from somebody, they give me 20%, it means they're going to give me the rest of the money. Well, the Holy Spirit is the 20% that God has given us on the fullness of the life of heaven. And what that means is we're already experiencing through the Holy Spirit the life of heaven, uh, the life of God, uh, and the life of transformation. Now, we've got a long ways to go yet, but we've hmm. got that first installment, which is the guarantee, the promise, the assurance that if we persevere, we're going to be able to get the rest of it, all of God's inheritance for us. The phrase, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, was that him using, I wouldn't say technical language, but is he specifically referring to baptism? Yeah, in the second century, the term seal came to be applied to baptism, and or even the specific action of making the sign of the cross and even chrismation mm -hmm. that went along with it. But in the New Testament, the phrase the seal actually seems to refer to the Holy Spirit itself. Okay which was understood as conveyed in baptism. Now, the idea of a seal is something that uh, marks ownership. So it's the Holy Spirit that you and I have marks us as belonging to God, uh, marks us as his sons and daughters, marks us as his property, and it also is a protection for us. You know, in Revelation 7, it speaks about God's sealing all of the 144,000. I'm, I'm writing a commentary on Revelation now, <laughs> okay. and, I, and that, that's the next chapter I write on. But uh, it's a kind of protection and a marking as God's own that he does by the Spirit. The Spirit marks us as God's own. Let's take a break. When we come back, uh, we may jump right into to chapter 2. Sure. All right. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi. I'm joined today by Peter Williamson, and you're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. 
WTN.com is online with program information, the latest news, Pope Benedict XVI, plus tools for living the faith like prayers, Catholic Q&A, and other resources. Log on today to EWTN.com. Don't miss the good fight on Saturday. Our saint is Margaret Clitheroe and blessed Margaret Pohl. And we're blessed to have both Dr. Richard Garrity and Stephanie Mann, experts on the English Reformation. That's The Good Fight, Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. The Good Fight comes to you live each Saturday only on EWTN Radio. For times in your area, log on to EWTN.com. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grody. I'm joined today by Dr. Peter Williamson. And uh, even during the break, we were trying to figure out uh, with the time the, the best way to approach this. Uh, Peter, um, you've chosen the verse from, from chapter 3 and chapter 4, factor 2 and chapter 3. Um, where would you like to take us next? Because you're really trying to examine Paul's overall view of the Holy Spirit. Yes, actually, and even just in Ephesians, because the whole sure. view of Paul on the Spirit is so immense. But yep. um, the, one of the things that he says in uh, many places is it's the Spirit that, that uh, as it says in uh, chapter 2, verse 18, that gives us access to the Heavenly Father. And you, you know in Romans and in uh, Galatians, Paul says that it's the Spirit that enables us to call God Abba. Um, it's the Holy Spirit that uh, enables us to to know God. And I think that at a time in my life, uh, that was what the Holy Spirit did for me. It gave me a living experience of God as my Father. And in some ways, the confidence and the joy and the assurance that comes from that. And I would just say to any of our uh, listeners who, who, who don't know God as a Father, to just say, God, help me to know you and send your Spirit to me so that I can know you as Father, because mm -hmm. He does want to make Himself known to us. He does want to dwell in us, which is what verse 22 says. Uh, Paul says to the, his readers in Ephesus, Jews and Gentiles, uh, who have believed in Jesus and been baptized, he says, uh, in him you are being built together, that's in Christ, into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So the church is the temple of God. Uh, that's uh, what it says in the previous verse a temple sacred in the Lord. Uh, and what is a temple? A, a temple is a place where a God lives. And uh, on earth, the church, the body of Christ, is the temple of God. It's, it's where God lives on earth. You know, they used to have temples where, you know, people would go to worship Zeus or <laughs> Apollo or, you know, Di Dionysius or any of these gods, Venus or whatever. But... Uh, Scripture was, Paul was teaching, well, the idea of a temple is right, but the real temple on earth now is not even the temple in Jerusalem or those temples of those places. It's the church that is God's temple. And uh, by being united to Christ through faith and baptism, we become the body of Christ, which is indwelt by his own spirit. Uh, and uh, I think that's the holiness of the church is that it's indwelt by God's Spirit. It's not because we're particularly good. Hmm. Uh, we're the building material, but He has chosen to take up residence in us. Um, I know there's a lot of TV shows about um, <laughs> taking old homes and renewing them, cleaning yeah. them out, uh, you know, getting rid of the, the rotty drywall, uh, yeah. you know, shoveling out the, the junk and the mung. And, yeah defumigating and on all of that. And, you know, those of us that have been baptized and catechized and confirmed, yet there are a lot of us that that feel very empty yeah. in relationship to our walk with God. We may know the stuff. We may walk through the rituals. Yeah. But it, it seems a bit like the, the fire is out down in the hearth. Mm -hmm. Um, but he's saying here that the Holy Spirit dwells within the body. Yeah, yeah. What's wrong? Well, you know, sometimes there can be obstacles in us that block the work of the Spirit. And uh, honestly, that's one advantage of the sacrament of reconciliation. Is, uh, I know that very often after I go to the sacrament of reconciliation, 
I just feel like I'm breathing again and breathing the life of God again in a fresh way. So sometimes it's we need to repent. And I mean, even, even it's before we go to the sacrament of reconciliation, when we realize we've done something wrong, we said stuff we shouldn't have said, we did stuff we shouldn't do, we just say, God, I am sorry, please forgive me, put me right with you. And we say, come back into my life in your full way. Don't, don't let me drive your Holy Spirit away. Come back and, and live in me again. I'm sorry. <laughs> I blew it. <laughs> but sometimes I think it's, it's just that we get worn. Maybe it's not even a matter of sin, but we just get worn down. We, we lose kind of faith in the bigness of mm. God. Our God gets to be too small. <laughs> and I find one of the best remedies for that is to, frankly, read Scripture. That... Um, if I read the Acts of the Apostles, you know, or I read the go- some just sections of the Gospels, and I just allow myself to, to imagine it, to remember it. Jesus did these things. Uh, the Lord did these things in the church. Uh, and I, I reflect, he's doing these things now. Hmm. Um, and I remember back to experiences of seeing God heal people when we prayed or had a wonderful experience a, a couple of years ago of a student of mine at the seminary. She's a lay student because we, we offer master's programs at Sacred Heart Seminary in Detroit. And so she did our master's program in ministry and she went to somebody's funeral. And at the funeral, she saw a priest who she knew and he told her that a dear friend of hers was in the hospital in the ICU. And she uh, was shocked to know this. And apparently her friend had succumbed to some kind of infection and had been in a coma for two weeks. And so my friend drove there immediately. Uh, and all the way she's going there, she's hearing this, these words, Advent is a season of joyful expectation. And she feels like the words are from the Spirit. And so she goes there, finds her friend in the ICU on life support. The sister of the friend is there weeping and saying they're going to take her off the respirator on Monday. They say her organs have died. Uh we can't live without her. We're just in tremendous pain. And so my friend Carol prays over her and all the time just has this sense of the Spirit saying joyful expectation. So she has hope and prays for this woman's healing. And she gets up and leaves and she remains confident and hopeful. And then on Monday they take off the life support and this woman wakes up and starts talking and recovers completely (laughs) and uh, well that was just I think the prayer of the Spirit prayer in the Spirit actually that's from chapter uh, 6 here Paul says pray at all times in the Spirit my friend Carol prayed in the Spirit according to the words that the Spirit gave her and and she saw a mighty action of God well God wants to do more than we think our God is too small and we need to ask him and hope and expect uh, joyful expectation and we'll see God do a lot more one of John's letters, uh, his first, he emphasizes in verse chapter 4, verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But test the spirits yeah. to see whether you, they are of God. Mm-hmm. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Yeah. And that's an important thing to talk a bit about when sure. we're talking about because even as I referred back to the other passage from Paul where he's saying people um, hold the form of religion but deny the power of it. So if, if one of our, we're encouraging our audience to, to invite the spirit into their life, how do they make sure they've invited the right one yeah. and not bought into the spirit of self or the devil, the world or the flesh? Okay. Very good question. And St. Paul addresses that uh, in a few places, but in 1 Corinthians a 12, he says, first of all, uh, if it's the Holy Spirit, it confesses Jesus is Lord, you know. And so the first thing that we know whether a spirit is of God or not is, does it acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus Christ? If it's saying, oh, tune in to the spirit of the world or the spirit of the universe or the spirit of this or that, but it does not acknowledge Jesus Christ, the incarnate God, who is Lord of all, then we know it's not the right spirit because the true spirit worships Jesus, acknowledges Jesus. So that's the first thing. But then we need to look for what are the fruit or the Mm -hmm. evidence of the spirit. You know, first in Galatians 5, Paul says, he's trying to guide people. He's saying, now look, 
it's the end of Galatians. He's already told them that the way to please God is not by trying to observe the Jewish law. It's instead by, so he has to give them an alternative. He, he says, we're living by faith, not by the Jewish law. But he gives them two, two guidelines for how to conduct ourselves. The first is, he says, love. You know, through love, be servants of one another. And then the second one he gives is walking in the Spirit. And then he tries to distinguish for people, how do you know what's of the Spirit? Well, he says, here are the works of the flesh. And he mentions a bunch of bad stuff, you know. <laughs> and then he says, but here are the, the fruit or the evidences of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I missed a couple in there, but, you know, endurance, <laughs> yeah. uh, right. long-suffering, and so on. So these things are the marks that the Spirit is at work in us. I recently read a, a book by one of my favorite spiritual writers, Father Thomas Dubay, uh-huh. who, who passed away a couple weeks ago. Uh-huh. God bless his soul. And, uh, um, but he, he was asking, dealing with discernment, and along with all the other issues he talked about, including the things you've mentioned, he did mention something else that I thought was a neat analogy, and you might want to comment on this because you're a scholar. Okay. And that is that, let's say a scholar is a, a scholar of an old test of, of, a, of an early church father, and he dedicates all of his life to the writing of one particular father, translates them, knows every nuance. Let's say Saint Paul. Uh huh. Right? Sure. You, and, and that scholar knows that writer backwards and forwards. Sure. And then somebody introduces another letter that's never been seen before and says it's from him. Well, the scholar who knows the original author can say, no, wait a second. Mm -hmm. That doesn't sound like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Father Dubay uses it as an example of how we discern the Spirit. We need to be in the Scriptures in the teaching of the Church, Mm -hmm. intimately in prayer Mm -hmm. with God regularly so we can recognize his voice. Mm-hmm. And uh, you bring in a good point there too about the, uh, about the role of the church because uh, the Spirit doesn't take us away from the church. Right. Uh, the Spirit leads us more deeply into the life of the church. And if the Spirit is sort of leading, if we're feeling an, a spirit or an impulse leading us in some other direction to assert ourselves against the, the church, uh, that's not likely to be the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit leads in the way of obedience. Well, Peter, wouldn't you say, though, that that's a uh, particularly new perspective that you've picked up since becoming Catholic? It is, of course. Uh, um, I, uh, Well, you know, I was raised an evangelical Protestant, and so, well, uh, my father, who was a pastor, would have said, you know, that uh, the Holy Spirit needs to work with the church, too, so I would have acknowledged yeah. that, but I think that Maybe the difference is is having that understanding of a teaching authority in the church that that wasn't so yeah. clear in my my Protestant background, um, and the, and it's an interesting thing that in the Vatican II documents uh, it speaks about the role of the bishops as being that of discerning of charisms. Vatican II is in the Catholic Church sort of involved a rediscovery of charisms and mm-hmm. of uh, the gifts of the Spirit, but it spoke of the particular charism that belongs to bishops to judge and discern the charisms that are at work in the body of Christ. And as a student, uh, as an undergraduate of history, I, I noted how some renewal movements were particularly effective in the church, and it was because bishops like Pope Innocent uh, recognized the charism at work in Francis of Assisi and said, mm-hmm. yes, this is good. So we support this, but we reject some of those other flaky movements. Uh, <laughs> Well, that is the role of bishops and popes, to, to discern charisms and movements. Let's, let's look at Ephesians 3.16, mm-hmm. at least briefly before we take our next break, because it's, well, I mean, this could be a, a program in itself, because there's so many loaded terms in this particular verse. Paul writes that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Yeah. There's a lot in there. Yeah, yeah. Um. And what he's um, building up to, this is the conclusion of the first half of Ephesians. And the first half of Ephesians is speaking about what God has given us in Christ. And uh, what Paul is leading up to is verse 19, uh, that you know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and that you may be filled with the fullness of God. and he's saying we need strength by the Holy Spirit in our inner self so that we're capable of this change. 
you know, ultimately God's will is that we, we be glorified, uh, human beings glorified as sons and daughters of God. We're to be divinized in some way. And the, the catechism even uses that word, divinization and deification. Um, just as Jesus took on human nature, he wills that we be able to share in his divine nature. And it's the spirit that accomplishes this, this in us. Yeah, Paul puts before us uh, an amazing trajectory in that verse. Yeah. That we, you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Yeah. And the, the Greek is literally that you may be filled up to all of his fill, fullness, filled up to God's own fullness. What can this, this is mind boggling. This is yeah. stretches concepts. Yes. And, you know, that leaves many of us feeling, whoa, you know, I'm a, I've got a long way to go yeah. in my walk And it's, with of course, Christ. impossible to us. You know, it's only the divine grace of God working in us that can achieve this. But that's the point. I mean, he's saying you're not, you aren't to do this on your own. Yeah. That he may grant you to be strengthened with might through his spirit yeah. in the inner man. Yeah. We're not alone. He's there yeah. to help us. Yeah. To make us loving, to make us forgiving, to make us courageous when we need to be. All right, we're going to take another break. We're going to, when we get back, we're going to look at chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. And just to make sure you stick around, we're going to have a very special offer to tell you about after the break. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, joined today by Dr. Peter Williamson, and you're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. The Coming Home Network International is a nonprofit Catholic lay apostolate dedicated to helping Protestant clergy and laity come home to the Catholic Church. It was founded by Marcus Grodi, the host of this program, as well as the Journey Home television program on EWTN. If you are on the journey and interested in learning more about the Coming Home Network International or know someone who's thinking of becoming Catholic, please visit our website, www.chnetwork.org, or contact us at one 800 664 5110. Next time on EWTN Live. Are you discerning a vocation? The church needs men who will proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. Join Father Mitch when he talks with Monsignor C. Eugene Morris about discerning religious vocation. That's on the next EWTN Live. EWTN Live with Father Mitch Pacwa is seen and heard around the world. For dates and times in your area, log on to EWTN.com. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, joined today by Peter Williamson. All right, Doctor, let's look at Chapter 5, and this is a great one, and uh, in some ways, that's this again reminds us why we need to make sure we do it in the heart of the church because a lot of people run with this passage uh-huh. to make it say more than Paul intended. Uh-huh. He says, "Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, always and for everything giving thanks in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ." To God the Father, I, I know in history there have been Christian groups that took it so literally that not only would they not drink anything, but they literally felt the only way they could talk to one another was in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Uh-huh. <laughs> it turns, uh, turns all of Christian life into a musical, you know? <laughs> right. Well, um, this is a, a great text. Now, the context is that in the verses before it in chapter 5, Paul is talking about the need for Christians not to be like the world. And he speaks about don't be, don't be greedy like other people are greedy. Don't be in sexual immorality like lots of people are into sexual immorality. Instead, you're supposed to live as children of light. And then he picks this other one. He says, don't get drunk, you know, uh, where, which is debauchery because, hey, that's what people do around us. They, it, may be, uh, it may be alcohol. It may be marijuana. It may be other drugs. But what people did back then, they also do now. You know, what do they do on a weekend? They, they get together and they celebrate and they sometimes overindulge. And they do stuff that isn't very good. He says, but listen, 
there is there is a kind of inebriation, intoxication that's right <laughs> for you. It's the intoxication of the Holy Spirit because you can be filled with God and you can experience joy and your joy is better than the joy they have in their parties. You know, really when you have joy with other people in the Lord, it's tremendous. It's really a rich thing. And so he does talk about singing and giving thanks to God and he's actually talking about mm. about prayer together, singing yep. together. Mm-hmm. He's talking about liturgy, yes, uh, liturgy of the Eucharist, but probably also the agape meals that they would have, Christians getting together and praising God some and sharing stories of what God has done and giving thanks to God. And there's a, there's a richness in this too. The, um, you've done the commentary. Yeah. Um, so it's good to have the resident expert here with me on, <laughs> on the microphone. But the, the phrase, be filled with the Spirit, yeah. is not passive. It's an exhortation. Yes. Um, is that the correct translation of the Greek in that? I'm, is that the I'm nuance? I'm looking at it right now. And it, it, it is an imperative. So it's something that we're commanded to do. Yet it is, in fact, a passive voice, and it's a, it's a so-called divine passive. In other words, it's understood that you can't do yourself. In some ways, you have to be filled by God. Mm-hmm. And how do we get filled by the Holy Spirit? That's How are we filled? And I think that we're filled by asking to be filled with the Spirit. Uh, in Luke 11, it says, ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, and in the end of that, um, how much more does the Heavenly Father desire to give the Holy Spirit? So we ask God for the Spirit. But then I think that even these activities that are described here are ways in which we are filled with the Spirit. All right. Now, I said I'd offer a special offer for those of you that have stuck through the program this long. There's a book, Sober Intoxication of the Spirit, Filled with the Fullness of God, that was uh, written by Renero Cantalamesa. I've offered this on the program before, but uh, first of all, Peter, what's the connection with our program? Well, it so happens that my wife was the translator from <laughs> Italian to English of <laughs> Father Renero Cantalamesa's book, and I helped to proofread it. That is, I'm, I'm her proofreader in Italian translation, so I got a chance to read that ahead of time with her. It's a wonderful book. I highly recommend it. Well, the offer is, for those of you listening, is we've got 15 copies of this left on our shelf. Mm-hmm. It's normally 13 bucks plus shipping and everything. I'm going to let you have it for half price today if you call or email the office. Our phone number is 740-450-1175, or you can go to the chnetwork.org website, and I'm sure there's a, a catalog there that you can find us, but it's best to call us, 740-450-1175, if you'd like this book at half price. But Peter, uh, I mean, not just the fact that your wife was the translator, what is so significant about this particular commentary? Well, Fa- Father uh, Cantalamesa um, was a, is a great scholar. Uh, he was a leading scholar of patristics. And he then came to have a deeper experience of the Spirit. He's a Capuchin priest and the preacher to the, to the Pope. And he mm-hmm. has been for over 25 years, to Pope John Paul, now to Pope Benedict, who reappointed him. And he shares, especially some presentations he gave to the charismatic renewal he includes in there, as well as a presentation, he, some presentations in that book were given just from him to the Pope and the, the cardinals and the heads of religious order who are with the Pope for their annual retreat. Uh, and so these are the messages that he gave to them about the Spirit. And he, and he goes to quote various fathers who, who re- working off of this verse, 518, <laughs> spoke of the sober intoxication of the Spirit. The Spirit does make us drunk in a way, but it's a, it's a sober intoxication that makes us capable of thinking, of doing, of acting, of loving, of serving. Of self-control, uh, so well, that's the spirit. In that phrase, "be filled with the Spirit," as you said, there's this element of passive divine filling, filling, yeah. but it also recognizes that our will is involved. Absolutely, and you know, in in the Eucharistic prayers, there are various prayers that speak about being filled with the Spirit each time. So e- each time we receive communion is a time to be filled with the Spirit. 
Each time we sing to the Lord, it's a time to be filled with the Spirit and to invite him. When we pray, it's, uh, it's a time to be filled, to seek to be filled, to breathe in the life of the Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit to take over, to transform us. All right. Well, I have to tell the audience, we've already been getting calls for the book. So those 15 are going to go real fast. But again, if you'd like to, to scoop up one of this, this great book at half price, our number is 740-450-1175, as long as they last. And in his last chapter in the book, Father Cantalamesa tells his own experience, just as the way he said it in front of the Pope and the, <laughs> uh, the bishops and cardinals who were with him. And of course, I'd say if we run out of the books, I st still strongly encourage you to find the book on you know, mm -hmm. the internet, Catholic mm -hmm. Bookstore. Uh, in the remaining moments, a uh, couple minutes, uh, Peter, Ephesians 6.18, pray at all times in the Spirit, yeah. with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Pray at all time in the Spirit. Yeah, that's a good one. You know, it comes in the context of Paul talking about spiritual warfare, and he has just given six items of spiritual armor, spiritual equipment, mm -hmm. and it seems that the one he intends as the seventh one to kind of complete the package is this prayer at all times. We live in a time of great spiritual warfare. Our friends and our relatives yep. are being picked off right and left, you know, from following Christ, from uh, our righteous life. So we need to learn to pray for one another and for our family members, for our country, in the Spirit. In other words, we need to ask the help of the Spirit to show us what to pray for, to show us how to pray, to give us wisdom to pray. Paul says we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit helps us. So we ask him to lead our prayer. And that's maybe after communion, maybe it's in the mornings as we read some scripture, we read some scripture and we say, Lord, show me how to pray. And then just pray as the Spirit guides you. You don't have to be overly anxious. If you think it's the Spirit's leading you, follow that and, and pray into it. And sometimes it's praise, sometimes it's thanks. The Spirit will lead us in, in different ways at different times. What about the significance of keeping alert? Yeah. Well, you know what? There is the tendency in human beings to just settle back and relax. <laughs> <laughs> and we lose that sense of alertness. We lose the awareness of the times in which we live or the dangers and the risks. So it means to stay alert as a Christian. You know, look out, be on guard against what's going on and staying united to Christ. Yeah. Staying yeah. united to the Lord because that's where our protection is. And that word perseverance reminds us, as Paul does often, that our journey of faith we're not guaranteed of salvation. It's, no, a, it's, no. we're, we're, it's called to continue, yeah. to remain, to we're, persevere. We're guaranteed if we remain. If we remain. And there's that partnership we have with the Spirit yeah. that enables us, but yet we still have the will that we must yes, obey we, and we respond and surrender. Peter, thank you for joining us today. Hey, it's a great pleasure being with you, Marcus. I'm going to remind the audience of his book, Ephesians, and that's available from Baker Academic Books, or you can go to catholicscripturecommentary.com to find out more about his book. Thank you for joining us on this episode. I pray that it was an encouragement to you. God bless. Be with you next week.